Okay, hey, it's so good to have you all out today. Hey, can we make some noise in this place to welcome all those online? All you online, so grateful that you're joining us today. Awesome to have you, you uh, tuning in. It is just so good to come together and to remind ourselves and to remind one another as we're singing this out that God won't fail. He just won't, he won't, he won't, he won't. And I don't think we can hear those two words enough. God just, he doesn't, he won't fail. He won't fail. And, and even, you know, sometimes it might look like your situation is not going quite how you want it to go. And you might think that he's not, because it's not going how you want it to go, that he's failing you somehow in that. In the big picture, he does not fail. He, he keeps his promises. He is good. He is faithful. And he is, like Becky said, he's for you. He is, he is in your corner. He's so good. A couple things to let you know about um, before we jump into our sermon this morning. Next Sunday, we're having a potluck, a soup potluck. So if you like to, if you like to eat food, and I think that's all of us, um, you are more than welcome to be a part of that. Right after the service on Sunday, we're going to have um, soup and side dishes. And so you are, are welcome to be a part of that. It's just a great chance to hang out, uh, have some fun together, get to know one another, eat some good food. Um, in January, I don't know about you, but January is just the month for soup. Like, there's no better month for soup. It's just dark, cold, gloomy, but soup just warms you up, doesn't it? It just brings a little bit of joy. <laughs> so, uh, so that's next week. So you can bring a soup or a side if you want to be a part of that. And, uh, but we'll have, we'll have tons of food, I'm sure. And then uh, this is the last week coming up of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, it's just been really good. God has been at work. He's been uh, just calling people and drawing people to prayer. We just this last Wednesday night, at, at, we're meeting at 6.30 on the first three Wednesdays of the month here. And just a beautiful time of prayer. Presence of God was there in a very powerful way. And so I encourage you to be a part of this. Um, like I said, one more week left. And uh, um, carve out some time to pray each day. Uh, figure out something that you can fast, something you can uh, just pull back from, or you can just use that space for maybe it's TV or maybe it's eating, whatever it might be, where you go, okay, instead of doing that, I'm going to seek God during that, that time and, 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 and just watch what God will do. God will, will work in and through your life in a powerful way. And so um, one part of that, though, I just want to draw your attention to, so this week there's going to be noon prayer from Monday to Friday here in this building. It's just a very casual you can just come and drop in for five minutes. You can stay for the whole hour if you want. But that's Monday to Friday here in this room. And it's not structured. It's just come on in. And, but then on Wednesday night, uh, we're going to be having a, another prayer meeting here at 630. And Wednesday is also the day to pray. We're going to ramp that up for 2023 where uh, you can go online, go to our website, and you just go to the search bar and click day to pray where you can sign up for half hour, a half-hour time slot on that day, the third Wednesday of the month. And uh, what we're trying to do is actually get that whole day covered in prayer. So we're at, right from, from 12 o'clock at night right through 11.59 that day, uh, someone in our church is praying. So we'd love to have all of you be a part of that. And again, if you go to our website, ctk.church, uh, click on the Ferndale link, and then in the, the search tab, just click day to pray. We'll also have some links and stuff up on our social media this week if you can't remember all that stuff in the moment. But uh, we'd love to have you be a part of this. And uh, prayer is, is so, so critical. 
to what God wants to do in your family, what God wants to do in this church, what God wants to do in our city. Prayer is so, so important. And if nothing else, it says, it sends a message to God. We can't do it on our own. God, we depend on you. God, we need you. So I invite you to be a part of that this, uh, this last week. All right. If anybody needs uh, a piece of gum, I uh, see Becky was worship leading this morning. And so <laughs> like that's going to, one of my sheets is going to stick on that, I know, and it's going to be like all over the place. <laughs> It reminds me of, like, when I grew up in church, the churches that I grew up in, one of my earliest memories of church it was I grew up in, in churches that had wooden pews, and there was always, I remember as a little, like, toddler going to sleep underneath the pews, and it would just be, like, lined with gum. It was like heaven for a two-year-old, all this gum that was right there. So, yeah, awesome. Last week, we began a new series called, called Miracles. And, you know, whenever you start talking about miracles, I don't know how it is with you, but um, whenever you start talking about miracles, there, there tends to be a certain amount of skepticism that I think if we're all honest that, that creeps in. Maybe you might be thinking, um, I've never seen a miracle happen in my life. I've never seen blind eyes opened. I've never seen someone get miraculously healed. I've never seen God come through in a powerful way to deliver someone from disaster. I've never seen, I've never seen a miracle. I've heard about miracles I've read about miracles in the Bible, but I've never seen miracles, and so I'm not really sure if miracles still happen today. There's that kind of skepticism, and then there's also another kind of skepticism that we talked a little bit about last week, where, where we, 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 we talk so much about miracles, but we kind of like, we, we don't talk about them in the sense that the Bible talks about them. It's like everything that, that maybe seems a little bit awesome is, is a miracle, like an underdog team winning a, a sporting event. That's a miracle. Um, when you've got bad credit and you just are almost out of money and you apply for that credit application and God comes through last minute and you, you get that application and you get your credit card. I've actually heard people call that a miracle. Um, that's not exactly, though, what we're talking about this morning. Um, last week we looked at how a miracle is what happens when God steps in in an extraordinary way it's this divine interruption, this divine inter intervention that, that draws attention to God. And miracles, they come in all shapes. They come in all sizes. Um, they don't always look the same way. They, they don't always expect, look the way that you expect them to look. Um, sometimes they're small and subtle, like, like a change of heart, a sudden change of heart. Maybe somebody is here today or watching online, and you have never had any interest in church. You've never had any interest in a church event. In fact, maybe you found yourself hardened towards God. You just don't believe that He exists. But then something happened this week out of nowhere, and it's a, a change of heart. That in itself is a miracle. It's a miracle. Um, last week, the whole nation witnessed some miracles. Um, during Monday Night Football of all times. And by, by now, most of you have probably seen the footage of um, DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. He took this hit and he collapses on the ground. And his life was literally in that moment. His life was literally on the line. And, and two miracles happened uh, last week. One, the entire NFL turned to God in prayer, which in itself was a miracle. I don't know if you know this, but... But every single NFL team changed their, their, Twitter social, their Twitter profile picture to 
pray for um, Damar. That's, that's all they had on there. That's, that is a miracle. And the miracle number two was that God answered, and he, Hamlin is on the road to recovery. It's incredible. God is good. Now, for me personally, I would put that in the category of small and subtle. Um, because, you know, top medical professionals were involved, CPR was involved, but nevertheless, we give God the glory. We know why that happened. People were praying. God intervened. Um, we could have actually used one of these kind of miracles yesterday against the 49ers in the second <laughs> half. But God had other plans. I guess we just need humility or something. I don't know, but he's working. But miracles can be small and subtle, but then they can also be very large and very dramatic. This is where somebody who is blind literally can't see. Somebody prays for them, and all of a sudden their eyes are opened, and they, they can see. That's a big, dramatic miracle. Or, or it's Jesus out on the boat with all the disciples in the storm, and the waves are crashing, and the wind is blowing, and Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves and says, be still, and boof, it's still. That is a big, dramatic, awesome miracle. And today I want to read a story about one of these big, dramatic kind of miracles in the Bible. It's found in the Gospel of, of Mark. If you want to tag along in your Bible or your Bible app, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. And just a little bit of context to this story. So Jesus and his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, they have just come back from a little hike. Uh, they have they actually climbed to the top of a mountain, and while they're on the top of this mountain— an event happens that we call the transfiguration. Uh, Jesus just, his whole appearance was transfigured, and he became this, he just was like this gleaming, shining, white, radiant glory just emanating from him. And in that moment, Moses and Elijah come, and they, Jesus and Moses and Elijah start to have this, they're just having this conversation as the three disciples are are watching on, and then all of a sudden the cloud just eventually comes down, and and Father God just affirms Jesus from that cloud. He speaks. Well, eventually this remarkable experience comes to an end. Then Jesus and his three disciples, they hike back down the mountain to rejoin the rest of the disciples. And as they come to where the disciples are, all of a sudden they, they notice that, that something's not quite right. There's a little bit of a commotion going on. Voices are raised. And it's here that we pick up the story in the Bible. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. Um, some Bible scholars think that maybe that radiant light was still kind of like he had a glow about him. But the Bible says they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. And Jesus asked, what are you arguing with them about? And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So to summarize what's happening here, you have a dad who is in a desperate situation. His son can't talk. His, his son has no speech. And there's a reason behind that. The reason that his son can't talk is because he's possessed by, by an evil spirit. He's oppressed this son. He's in anguish. And the dad and the son need a miracle. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but most miracles actually come out of a place of desperation in your life. 
when you get to the place where you just, you have done all that you can and it's just not enough, it's just not happening, you, you get to this place of desperation and you begin to call out to God in a whole new way. This last Wednesday night at our prayer time, we were actually just, that's one of the focuses of our prayer, that God, you would give us, your church, a desperation where we're just not satisfied with where we're at, but God, we're hungry for more of you. But when you get to this place of desperation, you, you begin to just seek God in a whole new way. And this man, he brings his son to the disciples, but they're unable to provide the miracle. And it's interesting because this actually isn't the first time that the disciples have prayed for someone that's been possessed by an evil spirit. Um, earlier on in the book of Mark, it describes how the disciples drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So at one time, the miraculous was happening through these disciples, through their lives, but now for whatever reason, they're faced with a, a similar situation where there's a, a, a man oppressed by by demonic spirits and nothing happens and it's frustrating for them and it's frustrating for this dad and maybe you found yourself in a similar situation you know you're at the end of your financial rope you, you needed God not just to provide but you needed God to provide in a miraculous way maybe you, you you found yourself tormented by I don't know maybe it's just depression or Grieve. I, I don't know what it might be. Maybe you needed God to heal you or to heal a friend from a deadly disease that was ravaging their body, and nothing happened. And when we ask for a miracle and nothing happens, you know, we, what do we tend to do? We, we tend to question. We tend to move into doubt. We tend, tend to wonder, does God even really care? Or if it happens enough, we begin to just believe that miracles must not be for today. We build up arguments and over history, we build up doctrines and, that are based on logic and based on reasoning with maybe a little bit of scripture that's tossed in that makes us feel good about why miracles aren't for today. But for now, here we are, this, this inability of the disciples to see a miracle happen through their prayers has created this commotion. And the Bible says there's an argument between the disciples and this other group of people called the teachers of the law. And the teachers of the law, these are the, the intellectuals from, the, that, from, from the, the, the learned schools back in the day. They were the guys who could explain from a highly intellectual and logical way why miracles aren't happening. And the Bible says that, that they just, they, they come on this scene, they begin arguing. And understand that back in the day that these teachers of the law, they actually didn't believe that miracles were for that time. They, they didn't believe that. For whatever reasons, they believed that miracles were a thing of the past. They were for the prophets like Moses and Elijah, who ironically had just finished having a conversation with Jesus. And when they saw the situation unfold with the disciples and this man and his son, they moved in. And the Bible doesn't say exactly what it was what they were arguing about, but we can pretty safely assume that, that they were probably giving some reasons as to why nothing was happening here. Maybe they were saying, hey, why are you guys praying? Miracles are not for today. Miracles were for something, were, were for way back in the day. Maybe they begin to accuse the disciples of pride. Hey, why are you guys praying for this? What do you, who do you think that you are that you can come in here and ask that, that God would work here? Who do, you, who do you think you are? And the problem is that when we don't see something happen, when we pray for a miracle, 
we, we come up with some sort of rationale for why that is, or worse, we can come up with some sort of doctrine for why miracles aren't happening today. And when Jesus shows up and he hears the dad share what's happening and how the disciples can't cast out the demon, in frustration, Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I'm not sure I would have stepped in and said it quite like that, but Jesus is just out there. And I, I wonder if Jesus were to show up today, visible and in person in this room, I wonder what he would say of our generation. What would he say of our generation? And can I just be really honest with you this morning? I don't think his words would be a whole lot different. After all, we are the generation of the enlightenment, supernatural, the miraculous, and that's for, that's for way back then with more simpler, less informed times. Um, we have science today. We pursue knowledge by means of reason and the intellect and, and, and things that are clear to the senses, demons, angels, all that stuff. Nah, we're the new, more sensible, more reasonable generation. In the church, the argument is the same, but we just use different language. Miracles, and that's for Bible times. Those were something only for the, the, the early church. Miracles are no longer needed because we have the canon of Scripture, and it's, the fulfilled, it's all there now. When the apostles died, when they passed away, so did miracles. Those, those aren't for today. And for what it's worth, you know, I've read most of the arguments by scholars and, and teachers of the, of the Bible arguing why miracles are supposedly not for today. And if you like, I would be more than happy. Maybe you, you have some serious questions. Maybe you grew up in a situation where you were taught that miracles are not for today. I can forge you all kinds of articles, all, all kinds of stuff, books, whatever. But when you read the arguments, it's surprising how weak they are, <laughs> just to be honest. And how much they depend on human logic, or they'll take a verse out of the Bible, out of context, and twist it to back up an argument. And by the way, it's the same thing that Bible teachers have been, have been doing for centuries when it comes to things like the gifts of the Spirit, when it comes to things like hearing God. No, we don't hear God today. We, all we need is the Bible. That's, that's the only way that, that God speaks is through the Bible. And just because someone has, has lots of letters behind their name or can articulate their words well, can craft a very intelligent, intelligent reasonable argument, does not necessarily mean you should believe them. There is but one source of truth. One source that is 100% accurate in telling what's real and what's not, what's reality and what's fake, and that is God's Word. And if it's in God's Word, we believe it. End of story. And that book, the Bible, is full of the miraculous. And further, there, there's one person who we are called to be like in every way. That's Jesus. Sure, we're follow, called to follow the example of godly uh, parents or grandparents or, or friends, mentors. But ultimately, we're called to be like Jesus. Paul understood this, and he writes to the church in Corinth. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And miracles happened through Paul's life as he followed the example of his miracle-working Savior. We're called to be like Jesus. Well, you might say it's, it's one thing to follow Jesus' example and believe miracles are possible. It's a completely different thing to actually ask 
and believe miracles? How, how is that even possible? Well, the Bible tells us, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but here's the key, but Christ who lives in me, in the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by, here's a key word for us this morning, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The same miracle-working God who parted the Red Sea, who calmed the winds, who walked on the waters, who, who set the oppressed free, He lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. His power is in you. And if you ever need just one conclusive verse in the Bible declaring that miracles are meant for today, listen to the words of Jesus himself. He said these words just before the cross, some of his last words. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You know, the first step to seeing miracles happen in and through your life is you have to believe. You have to believe. Belief, faith, it is at the core of, of Christianity. Without it, it is impossible to believe God, impossible, the Bible says, to please Him, to follow Him, to see the miraculous happening in your life. You have to believe. It starts with you have to believe. And, and what did Jesus call the disciples when He saw that they weren't casting out the demon? He, he, he said, unbelieving generation. They, for whatever reason, they, they did not believe. Without faith, miracles will not happen. On the other hand, faith leads to miracles. Faith leads to miracles. And so here the disciples are arguing. The teachers of the law are arguing. It's back and forth, back and forth. They're, who knows how long they, this went on, bringing one line of reasoning against another line of reasoning. Meanwhile, the dad is likely just getting discouraged. He doesn't need to hear a better argument for or against miracles. What he needs is a miracle. What he needs is a miracle. He just desperately wants his son to be set free. He wants his son to be healed, to know peace, hope, a life without torment, without oppression. And I love that Jesus does not show up with a better argument. He doesn't show up with 21 reasons why miracles are for today. That's not what Jesus does. Instead, he shows up with power. He shows up with love. He shows up with compassion. He, Jesus shows up. He silences the debaters, and then he gets to work. He looks at the dad, and he simply says, bring the boy to me. So the Bible says they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into, into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. It's just this awful scene going on. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It, it has often thrown him into, into fire or water to kill him. I mean, you just, just listen here to the, the, the anguish of this dad. His son has been in this horrible shape since he was a child. And the dad just desperately, so desperately wants to see his son set free. And so he, he explains the whole situation to Jesus. And then he says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love Jesus' response. If you can, said Jesus, if you can, Jesus is going, if, if only you knew who it was that you're talking to. 
I imagine Jesus just has a bit of a smirk on his face in this moment as he's imagining back to the, 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 the time where he just spoke and the galaxies came into, into existence. I imagine Jesus is, is, is thinking back maybe to the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea and all those amazing miracles that he, he, he's, he did. Saying if you can to Jesus, if it was anybody else but Jesus in this situation, it would actually be mildly insulting. It'd be like you coming up here and handing me a couple of two-pound, two-and-a-half-pound dumbbells and saying, hey, Rich, can you bench press these ten times? If you can. If you can. It'd be like, really? Jesus is in this similar situation. If you can. And, of course, Jesus is understanding. He's, he's not so petty that he's insulted. Instead, he says to the man, he says to you, and he says to me this morning, everything is possible for for the one who believes. Everything. Everything. Not some things. Everything. That situation that you have going on in, in your, 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 your workplace right now that you just, you, you don't know how it's going to resolve itself. You don't know what's next. Everything, he says, is possible. That situation that's going on with your kids that maybe you've been praying for, just like this dad, it's been something that's been going on since childhood, and, and maybe you're getting to the end of your rope. God says everything, that situation is possible for the one who believes. Everything. Maybe you've been praying and praying and praying for a miracle and your, your, that, that, that loved one, maybe a friend or a family member who does not know Jesus, and you're getting to the point of, of just exhaustion, and you've forgotten that everything is possible. God wants you to know this morning that everything is possible for the one who, what? Who believes. And I just love the Father's response because it's just, it's just so honest and it's just so real. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, there are some who would say that in order for you to see miracles happen in your life, you, you have to have just this extraordinary amount of faith. A faith that's perfect, so to speak. A faith that doesn't have, it's, it's not mingled in there with some questions and some, some, some doubts. And, and the problem with this type of teaching is that it takes the focus off of Jesus. And where does it put the focus? It actually puts the focus on your faith. It's not, yeah, you have to have faith and you have to believe but like we mentioned last week, Jesus told all kinds of parables and he gave all kinds of illustrations and examples to help us understand that it's actually not about our faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, he said, you can say to that mountain, be moved and be cast in the sea and it will obey you. The point of that story is not to go and cast mountains in the sea. The point of that, that illustration is to help us understand that it's not about our faith. It's about the size of our God. And who He is and, and how big our God is. And when you take the, the, take the focus off of God and you put it on your faith, and if, oh, if I just have enough faith, if I just keep believing, if I just say things over and over and over again, eventually convince myself that it's possible, you take the, all the attention off of the one who's going to do the miracle and you put it on yourself and you put it on, on your faith. And this man, he's just totally real. Jesus, he says, I do believe, but there's, there's some unbelief in there too. And, and would you help me overcome my unbelief? 
And does Jesus hear about the unbelief and just turn around and walk away? No. He actually says the key to miracles is that you just need to have, you just need to have faith. And instead of turning away when he hears that the man struggled to believe, the Bible says when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, saying, you deaf and mute spirit. This has such authority. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And just like that, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. <laughs> but Jesus, he, he took him by the hand and lifted, it, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. It was a miracle. The man was delivered, um, but the story's not over. Because there's this question that's kind of lingering in the air, right? Remember how the whole story started? It's, here's the disciples praying for this boy to be delivered from this demonic spirit, and, and it didn't happen, and they didn't understand why. I've been in those, actually, those kinds of situations before. Um, we had a situation when I was a, um, just a teenager in the church that I was in. God was working all kinds of crazy ways in our church, and uh, the church that I was a part of, we would have, we had Sunday morning service, and then we have a Sunday night service, and Sunday morning was kind of like the, you kind of the, the calm sort of, usually an hour and 15 minutes, but Sunday night was like where stuff happened. It was like the party service. You didn't know if you were going to be there for an hour or three hours or five hours. Well, in the middle of the, the service, all of a sudden there was this loud shriek, and one of the girls in my youth group was just, th there was a demonic spirit there. And I was like, I'm not going anywhere near that side of the building. Um, but people were praying for her and praying for her, and nothing was happening. And it was just clear that she wasn't getting freedom. And there was just this frustration. And I imagine that she eventually did get set free, which was awesome and powerful. But I imagine that the disciples had had that same kind of frustration as they'd been praying for this man's son. Just what in the world is going on here? And, and so the Bible says that later on, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And then his, his answer is really interesting. He says, this kind can come out only by prayer. Only by prayer? What, what does he, he mean by that? Um, some of the, the earlier biblical manuscripts, they actually add in their fasting. So um, some of your translations, if you have the King James Version or the New King James Version this morning, it says, Jesus' response is, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. But there's this prayer component, this, this component here of, of really seeking, seeking God, prayer and fasting. And, and what did Jesus mean by that? Well, up until this point, faith has been emphasized. Now Jesus adds in prayer and in, in, in fasting. And the reason is because prayer, especially a, a life, a whole life that's marked by the kind of uh, prayer that includes fasting and abiding in Jesus, seeking Him, depending on, on Him, this kind of prayer actually leads to you. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 5 being filled with the Spirit of God. And as you abide in Jesus more, and as you are connected to Him more, guess what happens? You, you, your, your faith begins to increase. The, the, when, when you see a situation that normally you might just 
blow right on by and not think twice about because you've been spending time with Jesus, you begin to see that situation differently and you go, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to pray for that. You know, if you've been a part of our, this last 21 days of prayer and fasting, you're, you're likely beginning to notice a difference when you pray. You notice a difference. You're, you're praying with more expectancy. You're, you're, you're quicker to believe. You're not just asking God to do things because you've always asked God to do things. No, now you find yourself asking God to do things, and when you ask, you're actually expecting that He's going to do it. It's this faith that begins to increase when, when, you, when you seek God and make your life a life of prayer. And then when you add fasting into the mix. You know, fasting is one of those things that I don't think we, we talk about enough in the church or even practice enough in the church, especially in, in the Western world where we're all about consuming. We're all about taking in and we're all about doing and going. But if you've never fasted before, I encourage you to begin implementing this spiritual discipline into your, your life because you can't even really explain it. I could stand up here this morning and try to explain to you what happens when you fast and begin to seek God um, in that way, but it would fall far short of, of, of helping you understand. It's, it's very mysterious. But somehow when you fast, when you say, God, I'm going to put, if it's food, you're fasting. God, I'm going to put food aside, and I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to devote myself for the next three days just to really pursue you in a whole, whole new way. I'm telling you, it's like, it's like your spirit comes alive in a whole new way. I can't think of another way to put it other than that. It's like your spirit comes alive in a whole new way. You find yourself he hearing God in, in ways that you normally just wouldn't hear God. It's this act of surrender and depending on God that just infuses you with faith and power in a way that will lead to miracles. And maybe the disciples had relied on past experience here. Maybe they thought that the miracle was going to be accomplished through their own strength. We don't know exactly, but Jesus does make it, it clear that when you have a life of prayer, when you practice the spiritual disciplines, you know what that does? It's not, that, that's not what makes the miracle happen. It's still Jesus. But what that does is it cultivates faith in you. It cultivates the, the, the that just you being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which in turn leads to miracles. It's not your effort that will accomplish this. It's your abiding in Jesus and being filled with His power and His strength that will lead to this. As we wrap up this morning, I'm just going to ask the worship team if you guys would come at this time. But I wonder, is there any aspect of your life, is there any aspect of your life that is depending on the power of God, a miracle of God, it's depending on God to show up right now. You don't have to answer this out loud, no hands or anything like that, but where are you at? Are, are you depending on God? Are you believing that miracles are possible? Or if you're honest this morning, has your life become one where you just don't even really expect or ask for miracles to happen? One of the things that God is calling us to do today is to begin asking and believing, believing that, that the miraculous is possible, believing that God wants to do miracles in your life. And, and just in our, our last little bit here, I would love to have a time of just believing that God's going to work miracles even right now in this moment. And, and I want to do this again like we did last week, and maybe you're here and you're 
you're going, I have a miracle that I, need, I want God to do. I, I have something in my life that I, I need God to work in a miraculous way. I can't do it. I know that. It needs a supernatural, divine interruption, divine inter- intervention in this situation. And if that's you, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to put your hand up, and then I'm going to ask those around you if they could just lay a hand on your shoulder, and we're going to believe God to work miracles. Is there anybody here, maybe you, you had your hand up last week for the exact same thing. You haven't seen that miracle yet. We're going to keep believing. But anybody here, pre- hands up nice and high. Do you need God to work a miracle in your life? And if you're okay, you're comfortable with it, just look around and, and see a hand that's raised and put a hand on the shoulder. And we're going to pray this morning to the God who knows every situation. I still see some hands up. If we could have someone just put a hand on the shoulder. I'm not going to ask you to pray, although you can pray if you want. That'd be awesome. But put, just put a hand on the shoulder. Let that person know that we're with them as their church. They don't have to go through this on their own, but we are with them. And we're going to pray and ask God this morning in faith, expecting expecting that he is going to answer these prayers and work miracles. So God, we come before you, the same God that we just read about in the Bible who came to this, this father and son and, and, and did a, a, a miracle, God, in the son's body. God, we come to that same God who's here in this room right now. And God, you know every single situation. God, you know what every single miracle looks like that's being asked for. And, and so, God, we lift each one of these before your throne, and we ask this morning, God, in faith for miracles to happen. God, let miracles happen. God, where there's sickness, God, where, where there's a physical miracle of healing that needs to take place, God, we ask that a miracle would happen. God, where it's a relationship that needs to be healed, God, would you let that miracle, make that miracle happen? God, where it's a a family member that does not know you, who's far from you, maybe their heart is just completely hardened to the gospel. God, we ask today for a change of heart. God, we ask for eyes to be open to see the truth of who you are. God, maybe someone's here who just needs provision. God, they're at the end of their rope financially, and they have no idea, God, how they're going to get out God, would you come and work a miracle in their life? God, you know every situation, the ones that haven't been mentioned, and God, we just put these in your hands, and God, we ask that you would work in such a way that, God, you are seen in such a way, God, that men and women, sons and daughters are attracted to the beauty of Jesus. God, work in such a way that, God, God, we, that, that you are lifted high and that men and women are drawn to you. God, we just thank you so much for your your faithfulness. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, I pray that you would help all of us, God, to be people, Lord, who go expecting. God, cause faith in us to rise. God, where we maybe have been consumed with doubt, God, cause us to be people of faith. God, I pray that we would be people, God, who, who, who walk by faith and not by sight. God, help us to, to believe that your power, the same power that raised you from the dead is inside of us, your word says. And then, God, may we be people who are quick to pray. God, quick to ask for miracles. God, in our lives and in the people, God, that we come in contact with each day of the week. God, we pray all these things. In your name, Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Thank you for praying.
hey, if God has been working in your life and miracles have been happening in your life, I would love to hear about it. And maybe even have a couple of you come up here on a Sunday and share, hey, this is what's been going on in my life. And, and uh, because when you share about God, how God is working miracles in your life, you know what that does? It builds up our faith. It builds up our faith. Like, oh, if God can heal your body, yes, surely he can heal mine. If God can set your child free, yeah, maybe he can do that for me too. And so if you got a story to tell, don't keep that to yourself. Share that. Share that. Let me know. I won't necessarily make you come up here if you don't want to, but um, I'd love to hear about that and, and maybe share that if you're willing to share that with the rest of our church. Awesome. Hey, it's been really good this morning. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope that you have felt loved today. You know that you're loved, loved by us, loved by, by Jesus. And uh, we're going to actually wrap our time up this morning by singing one more song and just declaring that God is a, a miracle worker. So I'm going to invite you to stand with us. And we're going to also give you, a, uh, as we sing this last song, it's going to be an opportunity for you to give back to God. Tithes and offering. And just a way to say, God, we love you. And we bless you with everything that we have. If you're a guest, please don't feel obligated to give this morning. Just let the bucket pass you by. But let's declare this morning that God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. And as you declare that this morning over your life, over your family, who knows? God might just show up and work a miracle today. God bless.